Fashion and beauty are serious business. On this podcast, we will hear from amazing creative entrepreneurs. Join us as we explore their unique success stories, learn from experts, and hear about their journeys. Steve Jobs famously said that, the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So let's get crazy. I'm your host, Ann Zuckerman, and this is the Just Wanted to Ask podcast. Ladies, have you ever had one of those uncomfortable headlight moments? Don't you want to be heard without distraction? Bezzy broad discs are your solution. Go to justwantedtoask.com and look for Bezzy broad discs. Hello, everyone. Today, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome Lisa Forbes to the podcast. Uh, Lisa is a national speaker and advocate for restored citizens, an expert in trauma resolution, and the author of I Can Take It From Here, a memoir of trauma, prison, and self-empowerment. Welcome, Lisa. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Anne. It's very, very nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So as I've already said, I finished your book, which was, uh, I'm speechless. Um, tell us how you came to the title of the book. Well, the title came from the last sentence in my first manuscript. The, I, the title, I can take it from here, wasn't really intended to be a title. It was intended to be my statement of identity. You know, it was my vision for myself and then my vision for where I wanted other people to get to. You know, I can take it from here. I don't want to be a victim. I'm, I'm not permanently stuck. I found a way to where I can free myself and I can take it from here. So it really was just a statement of how I saw myself. And then my publisher said, but what a great title. <laughs> you know, the original title was something that uh, he felt, you know, was, uh, was less of a call to action. Whereas I could take it from here and we can all take it from here is an identity and also a call to action and a call to what I want people to believe at the end of reading the book. So... You've lived through unspeakable years of trauma. And throughout the book, you talk about the trauma, but you also talk about how you overcame it and who you truly are and the person you are. Um, how, do, how do you convey that message to people who don't necessarily understand where they are or where they can get to. Well, I like to ask people to just not censor themselves or filter their thoughts, but just think about who you would be if you could be anybody. You know, who do you think you would have been if you hadn't experienced everything that you've experienced? Because what I came to understand is that Trauma was twisting me and shaping me into something that was not me. 
trauma had really hijacked my personality. It had hijacked my emotions. Trauma, I, I like to say that tra a traumatized mind can only think the thoughts that a traumatized mind can think. And so, therefore, you're not free to think the way a free person would think. So the first step I want people to do is realize that you're not thinking right. When you say, oh, I can't do this, or I've never been that, or I'm just this, that's your trauma talking. That's not you. If, if you weren't that traumatized person, if you hadn't been told those things, what do you think you would do if you could do anything? And then I, I see a lot of people's eyes light up for the first time. You know, or if, if there was something you wanted to be when you were in kindergarten, you know, I talk about in the book how I wanted to be a chemist. You know, I want I loved science and math and exploring the world, all those things that I wasn't allowed to do. And so where I like to start with people is identity, because I really believe Anne, that what you will do and what you will not do is 100 percent rooted in who you think you are. Right. If you're not the kind of person who would do that, you won't do it. If you are the kind of person who would do that, you will. So it's a trauma um, distorts your identity. And I want to get back to the root of who are you? Who do you say you are? And who do you say you can be? And for, if I can get you to see that that decision is really yours, it's not the decision of the people who abused you. It's not the decision of society or anybody else to, to, to determine your identity. Tell me who you say you are. And then from there, we can decide what it is that person will do. That's so important um, on so many different levels because all of us in one way or the other are formed by our past, mm -hmm. but we can decide our future. And so many times we don't acknowledge that. Mm -hmm. We think that our future has to be predicated on our past, which of course it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. um, so in your life, you've, you've gone from a situation where you were in prison and you believe that rather than identify people who have been incarcerated as um, convicts or ex-convicts. You believe in the, the phrase restored citizens because mm -hmm. in that way they can restore their lives and get past it and become different people as we've just talked about. Tell us more about um, the description restored citizens. Well, you know, a lot of people use the term returning citizens, and I understand where that came from. But the problem I had with it was that in the 14 years that I was incarcerated, I saw people returning to society and returning right back to prison, right, in this revolving door. And so I didn't like that term. I didn't feel that it, it was identity changing enough. But I actually got the term restored citizens or restored from the Bible. I was reading the Bible in, uh, in prison, and there's a scripture in the Bible that says, God will restore to you the years that the locust and the canker worm and the caterpillar ate up and devoured. 
And when I saw, when I read that scripture, I claimed that. I said I wanted my life restored. I wanted to be who I could have been had all of this not happened. I didn't want my trajectory after I got off to got out to just be determined by having been in or having been traumatized. So the, the term restored citizens really came to me from the scriptures where I decided that I wanted that part of my life restored. I wanted to, I didn't even know what it was like to be a kid. You know, I didn't really know what it was like to just be free and happy and untraumatized. I wanted to have restored to me the innocence, the, the, the childlikeness, the freedom to explore that I had never had. And that is what I wanted for other people. I wanted their lives to be restored to what they were capable of being, rather than being continued to be limited by what they had been. So it's a very personal term to me that, I, that you're not just out, but you're restored. So you went on a, a total journey. And what I should add from reading the book is you, were, you read through the library in the prison. Mm -hmm. And you've been reading since you were four years old. And you have this vast, vast knowledge. Um, how did that journey take you to ultimately... Um, tapping and describe what tapping is for our audience. So tapping is really based on ac the acupuncture points in the body. It's not a, some new, un, you know, fangled, untested thing. It's instead of using needles as you do an acupuncture, it's really based on tapping on the, the same points in the body. But as you tap, you release the trauma also verbally. You talk about things that are up for you, that are bothering you in the moment. And so it really is a whole body release of what is stuck in your system at the moment. I mean, we've been able to demonstrate, we, we know from various studies that energy gets stuck in, in the body when it's, when, it's, um, when it's repressed. And so trauma is a way of not only freeing it verbally, but you get into, you hear it when you say it, you, you tap with it so it's physical. So you engage all of your, your senses as a whole body approach in re releasing stuck energy and bringing up things that probably you may never have verbalized before. So the way I um, got into tapping was that when I came home, despite having all of the knowledge up here, I got out and recreated my childhood almost down to the last detail. I married a man who was my father's age, who had five children older than me. And I was immediately right back in my childhood of being the youngest of six with an abusive parent. And one day I woke up and said, I've been here before, <laughs> you know, what, what is going on? And that's when I realized, and that it's not about the head. You know, that a lot of times but people are not stupid. You know, people who are not incarcerated because they're dumb. Sometimes there is a real block between what the head knows and what you can do, right? What you can articulate and what you can live. 
And I think we all know people who, if you listen to them, they sound really intelligent. But if you observe them, not so much intelligence in their decisions. So when I saw that for myself, I saw that that was exactly me. I could, I could say all the right things. I knew all the right things. Why did I come out and recreate my childhood? And I realized that there was just an energetic cord to connecting me to the past. Something was tying me to the past and it wasn't my intellect. It was in my emotions. It was in my energy system. And so I just got online and I didn't know what to call it. I started searching repeating childhood patterns, you know, doing the same thing over and over again from childhood. And a website came up from a man named Brad Yates. And he had uh, just a short tutorial on uh, YouTube about, first of all, what the tapping points were. And then you could just follow along with him. And then he had a, a free book of tapping scripts that if you didn't know how to start talking, you could just follow along with one of his scripts. And so I picked the script that said, I have these really old hurts and just started following along with him. And it wasn't long before I, I was off script because I, I was talking about my own hurts. And so that's what tapping did for me. It, it opened the door for me to be able to verbalize things that I had never been able to say. And the benefit of it for me was that when I discovered tapping, I was sitting in a home. I was laid off from work, so I was unemployed. My The home I was in with my husband at the time was in pre-foreclosure. I didn't have a vehicle. I didn't have health insurance. I didn't have anything. And so if I had needed to go talk to somebody, go, go drive to somebody's office, to have health insurance, to pay for somebody, I, I would never have gotten the help I needed. I discovered that tapping equipped me to be able to help myself. And when I realized that it would help me, as traumatized as I was, and having no money, no ability to, to go talk therapy, anything, but if it could help me, then I realized it could help millions because there are lots of people who were less traumatized than me. And so I, when I realized that I was being benefited by it, it really became my mission to share with people that this is really possible and you don't need to have lots of money or health insurance or anything else. You can do it where, if you're sitting on a sidewalk. Um, tell us more about uh, the Black Tappers United and how you got to them. I got to them because I was... Uh, connecting with a lot of people in the tapping world, EFT, emotional freedom technique. And I discovered that most of them did not look like me. And then I discovered that most people who looked like me had never heard of tapping. And so these were the people that I was encountering. These were the people that I had seen when I was incarcerated. These were the people who were going, who I saw in my neighborhood. Even if you have not been incarcerated, we know from various studies and that there's a study that says that children growing up in inner cities in the United States often have trauma on the level of children in war zones. So it's trauma is trauma. It's not just about incarcerated people's trauma. It's, it's trauma. And so the people that I saw that I knew could benefit both from it had never heard of tapping. 
And so I came across a, a DVD um, called Operation Emotional Freedom, The Answer. And it was a it was um, a study that had been done. It was a, a pilot program where a man named Eric Curie followed people, uh, these combat veterans who were in a severe state of post-traumatic stress and put them through a five-day tapping uh, project of just tapping on their stress and tapping on their trauma and then followed them over a period of time, a year or more, to demonstrate that it had actually lasted. Their trauma had come down. Their ability to have relationships had gone up. Their families were uh, back together as their spouses sometimes were on the verge of leaving. We had There has been evidence that has been demonstrated, tapping works. But I noticed that everybody in the pilot program was white. So I contacted Eric and I said, hey, would you be interested in doing a similar type of pilot program, A, with people who are at black or, you know, not white, and B, with people who maybe had been incarcerated? And he said, well, Lisa, he said, I would love to do that. He said, I don't know any black people. <laughs> and so that's how we got together. We were going to start. And so I, then I started looking for black tappers. And, you know, I just started reaching out to this one that I would find or that one that I would find. At the time, there was no Black Tappers United. That started within the last year or so. And so that started because other Black Tappers were realizing that, hey, people, other Black people are looking for us. But it was, it was beyond just, you know, the color. It was just the fact that we wanted to expand who was aware of this amazing uh therapy that has been demonstrated to last. Now, when the other question that I have is later on in your book, uh, you connect with uh, Zoe Zimmerman mm -hmm. and you take the technique that you learned to a much deeper level. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was introduced to tapping, but totally on a surface level. Mm -hmm. So you found a way to actually go deeper. Talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit more about how you did that and what, what you learned from that experience. Well, sometimes, depending on what a person is dealing with, it can be helpful to have a professional work with you. And that can even, like we're doing now, be done virtually. But what Zoe did was she pointed out to me the things that I was too close up to see myself. And so I was able to get to a certain point, And then I realized that I felt like I was tapping on the same things. I, I could feel where I was stuck. And that's where I began to search out uh, tapping practitioners. And so the Black, Black Tappers United are black tapping are tapping practitioners who happen to be black but i met zoe uh here in denver and i just talked to her a little bit and, and felt like she might you know understand me i just didn't know anything about her but she was the real deal what she, what she did was for, i'll give you an example i had this incident i speak about it in the book about this these pennies that i used to say and how they got taken from me by my mom. And I, it, it was, again, it was just the reiteration of not feeling safe, right? 
and and not being able to have anything, not being able to keep anything. Now I'm going to come back to that. If I forget, remind me. Not being being able to keep anything. So I took that feeling to Zoe, and again, it was just a matter of somebody who had a little distance from it saying, "Do you have a penny jar now?" And you know, it had never occurred to me that I did. 40 years later, I had recreated the penny jar, but I had recreated it with the same feeling of somebody's going to take it from me. You know, it's not safe. Maybe I need to hope, you know. And so it it was the emotions that had gotten stuck around the idea of money. I had never been able to hold on to money because I had drawn the conclusion from that childhood experience that it didn't matter because somebody was going to take it. And so I realized that that feeling of I can't hold on to things, it's not safe for me to have things, is something that was was applicable to people who were coming out of prison. Because I don't tell people that the, you know, nonprofit organizations and things that try to help people get jobs and things like that are not doing good work. Many of them are doing excellent work. However, Why is the recidivism so high? Why is homelessness among this population so high? And what I try to get people to understand is that many times it's not what I can give you. It's what you can keep. I can help you get a job. But are you so traumatized that the first time your employer says something to you, you're going to go berserk? You know, I can help you get an apartment. But can you keep it? Or is there something in your energy system that says, I don't deserve it. I'm not safe. You know, somebody's going to take it. Somebody's going to find out about me. It's an energy thing. And so Zoe really helped me make that connection between the, I've had the same circumstance in the present that I did in the past, but I had dragged the energy of the past into it when it no longer applied. And that's what we're trying to do with trauma, break the cord that is that is dragging the energy of all your past relationships, the energy of, of how people took things from you, the energy of being strip searched. You know, you're bringing it into the present and we need to cut that cord so you can take it from here. Yeah, totally breaking the, the loop cycle, which is exactly. what you talk about in the book. Um, you mentioned briefly about different agencies that exist. Have they, in fact, changed? And how do you see the changes? Because I know in another part of the book, you talk about the time that we live in and how different times create different circumstances. Um, are there non are there nonprofits today that provide a greater um, more information about housing and restoring a person's life? Well, there are lots of organizations that are trying to help uh, restore citizens get on their feet, but most of them do focus on uh, getting a job, you know, getting housing, those kinds of things, which are certainly essential things. However, I'm, my, my focus is not to help you get a job. There are plenty of people who can do that or to help you get an apartment. There are plenty of people who can do that. My, my focus is to help you get emotionally free. 
Because, and there are many people who have jobs who are not free, who have homes or apartments who are not free. So what I focus on is freedom, emotional freedom, because if you are emotionally free, you don't you don't need me. And that's what I'm trying to get. The, the difference is that most agencies actually are not set up to not be needed. Right. They're set up to grow. And so if you're doing it right, you're actually working to put yourself out of business. The fact that you're growing is the problem. The fact that you need more grant money every year is actually a problem. The fact that recidivism is, is, is stubbornly high is actually a problem. So we need to figure out, not by attacking those agencies, but to figure out what is the cause of that. And my position is that the cause of that is that what, what is the, the, the root cause of why you can't hold on to those things is the trauma is that from your past is now in your present. And if I can free you to be to be a person who can think free of the trauma, who can think free of the trauma induced personality that's riding you like an overcoat and affecting your judgment, affecting your decision. You know, we know, for instance, that um, the prefrontal cortex, the seat of judgment in the brain is not formed until people are in their early 20s. And so when you have all of this childhood trauma twisting and warping that center while it's developing, you need more than just a job. You need to unwind that trauma we, because the brain can actually heal itself, but not when you're stuck in that emotional loop. And so my goal and is to set people free because I feel like that was was what I was able to do. I know that I am a completely different person from what I was when I was dealing with that trauma. And what I want other people to get to is not to where you have a job. That's great. You have an apartment. That's great. But you are not free. You are suffering. You are traumatized. I want you to be free. And so. I'm happy to work with organizations that will help you get those other things while I am helping you to get free to not need them. That's so important. Um, plus, the situation that you found yourself in, you were actually very young. And in a situation where as you were getting older, you were at that point incarcerated mm -hmm. so that you didn't even have the opportunity to mature in a different world. Exactly. And that was the case with many of the people that I had encountered. Many of them had been in juvenile detention centers. You know, many of them had... Uh, been in mental hospitals. And that was aside from the, the trauma that many of them were experiencing at home. And so these were people who, like myself, had simply just never had the opportunity to develop anything that we would even remotely be considered normally. You know, I mean, people say, what is normal? Well, we can have a discussion about what is normal, but we also, we know what is not normal. 
right? And so if you're dealing with a person who's, by the time they're 21 years old, you can genuinely say they have not had a normal experience, you know? They have gone from trauma to trauma to trauma to childhood to trauma to child uh, to, to abuse to juvenile detention to prison. Where did this person ever have the opportunity to learn what it would be to be a normal functioning adult? free in society. Never. And so we have to recognize that when we just say, okay, here's your release papers, you can go over there and get a job. This is ludicrous. They don't have the foundation to do that. So yeah, they might have secretarial skills or read a lot of books or things you can get them a job, but they don't have the foundation to keep it. And or Even if they do, and my point is not that I, many people are out and they may have never gone back to prison, or some of them may never have gone to prison in the first place. They had a different kind of trauma, but they are, they are not thriving. They are not who they could be because they're, they are actually in a state of suffering. To me, what I'm trying to do is relieve people's suffering. I know the suffering that I really endured on a continuous basis because of trauma. And so when I see people who are dealing with trauma, what I see is not a person who needs a job or an apartment, although they might. What I really see at the core is a suffering person. And if we have the tools to relieve that suffering, I feel obligated to share that. Yeah, that's so huge. Um, And uh, such a difficult path. Have you found, I know you've uh, spoken about um, ex-military people who have had PTS, um, but you also have mentioned that they've had trauma before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, speak a little bit about that as well. So I met a lot of people while I was incarcerated who were veterans. And that's really for if you're when you're dealing with just restored citizens, again, trauma is trauma. And so we can we can relate to people's trauma and the alleviation of trauma if they've never been to prison. But if they happen to be incarcerated and also a veteran, many times they have multiple layers of trauma. They have all the same types of trauma that anyone else could have had. Childhood abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, religious abuse. And then on top of that, they have service-related trauma. And the, the tragedy of that is that many of these people went into the service to escape the trauma that they had before they went. They were looking for a sense of belonging. Uh, they were looking for a sense of relating to somebody. They, they were looking for discipline. That's why I was interested in the Air Force. So I know that yeah. feeling of, well, maybe joining something will give me a sense of identity. And then when you go in there, if you experience service-related trauma, and when you come out, you're really a different person than you were when you went in and you were already traumatized when you went in. Now, when you come out, if you're dealing with relationships where people don't understand you, people can't relate to your trauma, people can't help you. It not only are you dealing with the trauma of that service, but it just re-triggers all the stuff you already had. 
And so uh, uh, trauma re- in, in uh, veterans and people who are in the military is really a crucial thing for us to address. And the fact that so many veterans are incarcerated without having that taken into consideration is a real problem. But again, you know, firefighters, police officers, you know, uh, emergency medical technicians, there are, in fact, uh, someone mentioned that if, if you work in a store sometimes, you know what I mean? People come in and if you've had a gun stuck in your face, you don't just go home and forget that. Many people who have never been incarcerated, who have never committed a crime, their, their jobs, the positions they occupy in life, keep them in a state of trauma. And so it really is a is a great cost to to that person personally, to their families, and then the emotional cost to society to not be dealing with people uh, in the areas where we can alleviate this suffering and we can free people to be who they are and to contribute in the ways that they would be able to. But, you know, there are people I, I remind people, there are people who are in prison inside their homes. They are they are in they are incarcerated and traumatized inside of relationships or marriages. There's all kinds of trauma, not just related to prison. So when I first started writing the book, I was really focused on people who had been incarcerated. But as people started reading the manuscript and telling me their stories, I realized it was a it was a more societal issue than just incarcerated people. We're really a traumatized society. And it it costs us in ways that we can't even count. We can't even calculate what it costs society to just take a a 17-year-old and throw them in prison for 40 years. You know what I mean? Or 30 years or whatever their, their sentence is. And never really getting the benefit of who that person could have been, what they might have been able to give to society had we been able to free them from that past. So true. And there are so many people in such dire need. Um, So tell us where people can find you. So my website is Lisa Forbes Speaks. Dot com. It is. Uh, I'm revamping it because, you know, when I first started, uh, I was really focused on helping uh, restored citizens. And now I, I it has expanded to. Uh, so many other people. When people hear me on the radio, most of the people who respond to me are, of course, not in prison, and yet they can relate to everything I'm saying. And so I really want to give more of a sense on the website that of people, if you're experiencing trauma, this is for you. You don't have to have been incarcerated. So LisaForbesSpeaks.com, or they can feel free to email me at Lisa at LisaForbesSpeaks.com. We have a a pilot program. I'm working with a retired federal judge who uh, is really focused on this issue, having, you know, seen the system from the inside himself. And we really want to establish pilot programs throughout the country to to demonstrate, you know, you've got to have the science. Even though uh, Operation Freedom did does demonstrate the science, we want to re we want to show that you don't need to recreate the wheel, and you don't need to raise the federal debt level 
to do it, right? You know, this is, we have something that works. We have people who have worked it and can prove that it works. So we want to bring these pilot programs throughout the country to different cities. And I'm really asking people if they'd like to participate in it to email me, uh, Lisa at lisaforbespeaks.com. They can even call me if they want, 720-501-9540. We really want to help people. I remember the days and when I was suicidal and so miserable. And to, to look back at that person now from who I am today is like looking at a different lifetime. I want to get people to the point where they can have the same experience of setting themselves free and having the life that they can really enjoy. That would be amazing. So all of that information will be in the show notes. So anyone who's listening, if you go to the show notes, it'll all be there. And I can certainly recommend your book. It was an amazing read. Um, I learned a lot. Thank you. Obviously, I can't walk in your shoes, but it was it, it was enlightening to me um, for on so many levels. So I can't thank you enough for joining me today. Again, all of your information will be in the show notes. And thank you so very much. And thank you for reaching out, Anne. I mean, the only reason I wrote the book is to help people. And so I love it when people tell me that they've been helped and when they share it with others. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Please follow us, submit a rating and review, and share us with your friends. This helps our message reach more listeners. For more information about my products, visit justwantedtoask.com. Thank you.